Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Discimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, and Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. and classic gamers welcome to the podcast where we zanely zoom zoomers zigging zebras this is retro hangover i'm your co-host chris copeline with special guest mast keaton and as always your host shane he ate my neighborly dick I must admit, I I am confused. So, it, it, the way that that was phrased, it sounded like I I ate a dick dragon that is in fact neighborly. So, if I am the dick dragon, is that like how how does that is that like an Ouroboros situation? Am I just am I just munching on my own tail? Is that is that what we're implying here? I just need to understand the lore, Chris. What's important is that there can only be one. Oh, well, I mean, I guess that, I guess that is important. Yes. You didn't answer my question at all. So you putting that poli sci degree to good use. (laughs) Spoilers. I can neither confirm nor deny that I know the answer to that question, Shane. Ah, yeah. I don't recall. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. This this is like fresh in my mind because I, I caught like the last half or so of the, uh, recent Republican debate and uh <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> that was a roller coaster I'm staying far away from <laughs> any of that stuff this time and as as with all politicians none of them actually answered any of the questions they were asked that's a shocker they're just like you know what yeah, that's, that's a, a great shocker. question let me talk about this other thing that makes me look better I'm like great okay <laughs> so um about that video game we were all here to talk about <laughs> Yeah, right. Zombies, <laughs> stuff, video games, neighbors. How about it? Eating them. Yes. <laughs> Getting after that. Speaking of what Republicans do when you're not looking. Uh, I mean, politicians. Damn it. I'm going biased. Oh, this is terrible. Here we go. Now we're taking a political we stance. Great. Can't you just go back to making fun of the French again? Yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> they are zombies. That is, that's a unifying cause. <laughs> if ever there was one. Uh, if you're a Republican and you listen to the show, I don't hate you. I just want you to know that. There you go. Ashton, please make this work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
there. That that is certainly a way to start an episode. <laughs> oh, we just lost probably 10 of our listeners. Oh, man. Well, we still got the other 50 <laughs> percent. That's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. But. Anyway, welcome to the Retro Hangover podcast where we talk about video games and definitely not politics. Welcome back to the show, Mass Keaton. I hope you have found your eyes and I'm happy that you're back. The high score challenge is running well and I'm, I'm happy you could be back here for an episode. Thanks. I'm glad to be back. It is always a lot of fun, if not a very strange and surreal experience. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> Yeah, we have to keep this consistent with you. <laughs> we are here to talk about some zombies, uh, Ate My Neighbors, as we have been discussing. But before we do that, we'd like to talk about the games that we have been playing lately. And as we are wont to do, we always start out with our guest. So, Keaton, what games have you been playing lately? Well, I've been focusing mainly on two of them. One is Final Fantasy IX and the other is Arcade Paradise. Hmm. So which would you like to hear about the one that nobody talks about or the one that's been talked about to death? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will. We'll start with Final Fantasy nine, uh, which is not my favorite Final Fantasy, but definitely high up there. And that will probably cause some discussion in your discord. But hmm. uh, really enjoying the plot, loving the equipment mechanic, where if you wear certain equipment for long enough, you can gain permanent abilities makes it very interesting dynamic as a, as choosing what to go into battle with as opposed to just like this has the highest defense so so I'm wearing it and kind of be like all right so I'm exploring this area I'm going to wear this not so high armor but if I get in another 30 fights with it I have a cool new spell forever as opposed to just when I'm wearing it I've not seen another game do anything like that and I'm really enjoying that hmm. plot is crazy good and dark and good but yeah i don't want to say too much because i'm sure there are other people that haven't played it and i would recommend that you play it if you haven't mm. after you play crazy taxi of course uh, <laughs> which is definitively and scientifically the better game or so that's, i have is, been told yeah, say so that's that's what i've heard scientifically proven trust the science mm -hmm. mm. objective fact and what's, what's the other game, Keaton? Uh, the other game is Arcade Paradise, and it is one on Game Pass. It is a work simulator, for lack of a better word. You start as this early, like, 20s who shows up at a laundromat, and he gets a voicemail from his dad saying, like, I am famous rich dad, and you are bum son, and you're not doing anything with your life, so I'm making you the manager of this laundromat. and make something of yourself. But within like the first couple of minutes, you also learn that there's an old arcade in the back room of the laundromat. So you're like, all right, this laundromat thing might work. This arcade thing might work. So you are doing little jobs at the laundromat to raise money to buy arcade games. And that's it. And, but you can also like upgrade your space if you make enough money. It's very simple. It's very, in its own way, repetitive because you're like just doing laundry, putting stuff in a washer, moving it to a dryer, doing the folding action, and then sticking it on a shelf for the customers to collect. But you just keep getting money as you do this so you can keep buying more games, and there doesn't seem to be a way to fail, so it's just really kind of calming slash rewarding 
Hmm. I say it sounds like real life. <laughs> uh, there's way too much way, way too many ways to fail in real life to make it calm and rewarding. Mm, fair. Yeah. Real life's not all that rewarding. I don't know. I'm just thinking about, well, I was going to say Chris, but honestly, it's just any <laughs> of us really just it's like we co- collect money. We we grind the job to to get the, the funds to buy the games. That's that's life. So I can stare at them. Yes. That, OK, that's that's yeah, also true. But no, uh, like Final Fantasy nine is great for whenever you want something to really sink your teeth into. And Arcade Paradise is great whenever you've come home from a long day of work. And you're like, I just want to relax with some games. Because if in between you're doing the laundry, you can run in and play the games, the little arcade games, and that's fun. So, you know, if you got Game Pass, I'd recommend it. Download it, try it, have a few hours of fun. Hmm. Thanks for the recommendation. I might try that out with my Game Pass. Yeah. Uh, what about y'all? Playing anything interesting lately? How about you, Shane? Well, uh, it's not exactly a diverse list um, and probably not too different from the last episode, I think. But honestly, it's it's when I do have some free time to play something uh, that is not related to the show or any other shows I, I may or may not be involved in at the moment. It's mostly just been more dismantle. Um, I've actually really been enjoying that. I played it on the stream a little while back, and uh, I think actually in, in, in a somewhat similar vein to what you were talking about, uh, Keaton, it's like on the surface, the, the general game loop of dismantle is like extremely boring it's just go beat the crap out of stuff in the world to break it down into crafting materials to make new things and also occasionally kill some zombies rinse repeat like at a a very base level but there's something kind of soothing about that it's it's one of those like turn brain off and just play sort of games which definitely have their place And so especially when you've had like a very long day and a whole lot of stuff's going on and you've been trying to keep track of like 80 billion different things that need to be done. Sometimes it's nice to just sit down and be like, I'm just going to play this game and hack the crap out of stuff with a crowbar. And I don't I don't really have to think the brain just turns off and that's nice. So, yeah, been enjoying that. And uh, honestly, outside of that, it's really just kind of been continuing to plink away at Star Rail. As I uh, max out my my main party, um, I'm actually close to finally getting that done, which is nice. And I finished up the main story thread, so now I'm just going through and doing the butt ton of side quests and uh, limited time event things and what have you. So, so yeah, that's kind of been filling up any of the free time that I do have. I <laughs> against what is objectively better judgment, you know, I I went and. I think there was a uh, there's a sale going on at least at the time of recording on Steam or at least it was going on is the Konami sale still going on does anybody know did you see it I don't think so okay. they moved to the the shmup sale which is filled with roguelikes Oh right that one yeah so I bought yeah. a couple of things on the Konami sale but with the shmup sale I I think god I think I ended up buying I don't even know like at least eight more games um because they were just super Ooh. cheap it was actually it was a combination of that and what was the other thing oh good old games gog is also having their anniversary sale right now and I got a bunch of stuff for like under a dollar or like a couple of bucks so I I now have like 20 more games to add to the backlog that I might never play <laughs> ah so yeah, story of life yep that's that's my first world problem. But yeah, so I don't know, Chris, what what about you? What's been keeping you busy? 
I completed Sea of Stars. Oh. Which I felt like I had to do. I probably should have been playing something else, namely for the next episode, mm. because I am struggling with it. Mm. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to beat that, but I was heavily monetarily invested in Sea of Stars. So I needed to play that through because I've been waiting for it for three years. So I got that done. I think I, I know I talked about it last episode and said it was probably going to be in my top five for the end of the year. It is firmly sitting in that top five at the moment. I'm not going to call it an, an all timer. It's not leading the way for game of the year. But I will say overall, despite some flaws or criticisms I have of it, it's a very good game. And I think you should go check it out. I plan on recording a guide in for it soon. So patrons pay attention for that sometime in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I, I got a game. Well, I got a lot of games recently, mostly because as Shane said, all the sales GameStop had a massive clearance sale. So I got eight games there. A couple games ended up uh, coming in from limited run that I ordered in 2022. They finally showed up at my door. And so I've just got an abundance of games and I got a cheap GameCube game I wanted to try out. And it's called Dakar 2. I had never heard of this game. It looked interesting. So I, I wanted to boot it up as soon as I got it. One, because I got it from eBay. And you can never really rely on the fact from an eBay seller 100% of the time. Sometimes it may not work. So I fired it up. Fired, it worked great. Then I started playing it. And that game is, is solid. It has some really good driving mechanics. I was pleasantly surprised. And patron of the show, friend of the show, Ozzy, pointed out that the developer, which is... I. I think it's uh, acclaimed Chatelham. I, I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but they actually developed another game on the system that I, I had played before. I, I, I liked that was Extreme G3. That team also was formed with a bunch of people from Psygnosis Games, or I think it's just Psygnosis. And the people who left Psygnosis to make Extreme G3 and Dakar 2, some of them helped make the Wipeout games. So that would explain the lineage. So if you've never heard of Dakar 2 for the GameCube, and it's also on the original Xbox, and our European friends can find it on the PS2, it's a nice, solid little, nice, solid little racer that's not going to cost you a lot of money, and you should, you should give it a look. Definitely give it a look, especially if you like rally racers. It's, it's cool. Nice. All right. Well, I, I do believe that is the universal signal for the end of the waffling. Hi. Which I guess means we should probably just get into this thing. And so, uh, Chris, would you mind giving the, the fine listeners at home a brief history of our game du jour, which is, in fact, Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Who doesn't love a good co-op game? And a co-op spooky game. These are things we have seen here in the modern era with games like Friday the 13th and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but games with spooky themes while having more than one player at a time just didn't happen. And that isn't to say that today's game is really spooky, but it does have zombies, as the name would imply, as well as all sorts of other movie monsters many would be familiar with. Is there really much more to the development of Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Not really. It was developed by LucasArts and published by Konami of all companies, which only really makes sense if you consider that Konami was known for the Castlevania franchise. Other than that, 
Having a Japanese company publish a game from a somewhat major US developer was a rarity. LucasArts would develop the game for the Super Nintendo and finish that version of the game before creating a port for the Sega Genesis. And it was a good thing that they did. As Nintendo was still rather strict in what content they wanted on their consoles in the early 90s, LucasArts had to remove all blood and replace it with purple ooze at their request, something that was left in for the release on the Genesis. The game was further censored in Europe, where the game was simply called Zombies and had to replace the crazed chainsaw-carrying enemies with axe-welding lumberjacks. September 1993 would see the release of Zombies Ate My Neighbors in North America and Europe, with the Genesis version releasing slightly later in November. Despite Konami, a Japanese company, being the game's publisher, the game did not see release in Japan. Critics would love the game, praising the game's sense of humor, presentation, and that the whole game could be played in a fun co-op mode. Sales were not as favorable, with the game being somewhat of a flop. However, there was a slow burn that would lead to Zombies becoming a cult classic, and a favorite of many gamers who would look back at Zombies at Manebers as one of the hits on the system, essentially raising a title from the dead. This would lead to ports of the games on the Wii Virtual Console, as well as a remaster or re-release for contemporary consoles in 2021. Zombies Ate My Neighbors would also receive a sequel of sorts with Ghoul Patrol in 1994, but beyond that, there haven't been any major attempts by LucasArts to make additional titles in the same format. And that is your brief history of Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Right, Chris, thank you for that brief history. Man, I don't know, I don't know about you two. This game occupies a weird space in in my in my personal experiences. I feel like it's kind of always been in the peripheral. I don't know. Does that sound fair to both of you or has this been more like more of an integral part of your like gaming experience? For me, it's absolutely been an integral part of this game. I still have my original copy from when I was a kid. Mm, okay. And I played the heck out of this one. Mm -hmm. uh, as a youngling, I took a bizarre fascination to horror. And so, yeah, spooky games, even games that were more silly spooky, such as this, definitely on my radar. I'm more with you, Shane. I did play this game when I was a kid. Not a lot. I knew about it. It's interesting that it was a flop because it must have just been a flop when it came out. Like a lot of people didn't buy it because definitely a few years after, just a short few years after, like 95, 96, it was one of those games people were definitely talking about. Mm. I think that's right around the time I started playing it. I didn't play a lot of it, as I already said, but this is something I have a few memories of. And then in the years afterwards, especially more recently, within the past 10 years or so, I've always revisited this game in some sense, trying to play through the first couple levels and seeing how far I can make it, which, yeah, we'll get into that. But <laughs> it's definitely a game that, has been part of my gaming console experience, but just not really a major one. But I'm glad to hear, hey, Keaton, I'm glad to hear that you still have your original cartridge. And you said you had it for the Super Nintendo? Yes. Yeah. And I know you've been you've been hyping up this game for quite some time, which is why we got you here. I know that this is a big, big game of yours because I've also seen some of the questions that you've written for the Retro Olympics over at Secret Levels. And some of them have been Zombie Ate My Neighbors oriented, even going back to the first one. So. I know you're excited to talk about this one, so we'll see how this one goes. I, I think 
you might be the show saver. I'm not sure, though. I don't know how Shane feels. Well, you know, I l- let me just put it this way. I think we are going to have a a very well-balanced discussion, I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at yes. that. Putting that polysay major to work, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, you don't have one. That's me. Never mind. Fair and balanced. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So, I, I guess I'm not the only one, which I guess is good. Uh, but yeah, it's, I've said this about a few other games that we've talked about. Actually, I think this this year, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but I know that I remember bringing this up that there are just certain games that have just kind of existed like in in my peripheral for a long time. And this is one of those games like mm-hmm. I knew about it, not like right when it came out, but. You know, a a little afterwards, like I I knew of its existence. I think at least one of my friends had a copy. And so I've always been aware of what it is. And there have been a good handful of times that I've dabbled in Zombies Ate My Neighbors. And but it's never been one that like I really sat down and purposefully tried to put a lot of time into. And so that's that's why it's it's one of those odd ones for me, because it exists in this space of like, yep, I know that's definitely a thing. And I kind of have played it. And that's a, that's about it. But I, I know that there are a lot of people out there that really like it. And that's that's kind of like my take on the whole thing. I could definitely understand that. It doesn't really sound like too many stories are told here i'm just kind of surprised that keaton was as brief as he was on the on the personal experiences uh or, I, I guess mean, that's oh go for it okay so yeah like i'm trying to find that balance between sharing and not like rambling for 30 minutes on just one part of the topic fair <laughs> so yeah no like i as a as a young child i had the notebook with the passwords and i did mm. not realize for the longest time that as neighbors died, they did not automatically come back. I thought in the later levels, there was just one neighbor to save. And that was part of the difficulty. Because like, yeah, okay. so for those who don't know, uh, you start out with a level, got 10 neighbors on it. Uh, You got to try to save them. Otherwise, they get eaten. It's sad and they die and they make this uh, this horrible little death scream. You start with 10 neighbors. If two of them get eaten on the next level, you start with eight neighbors. And if two of them get eaten level after that, Start with six neighbors. But if you're able to rescue all 10, start that next level with 10 neighbors. It's great. As a kid, I didn't realize that the number of neighbors that you saved was important. I just thought there were 10 neighbors on level one and that was easy. There were 10 neighbors. You had lots of chances to mess up and still complete the level. Yeah. Then you got to like level 15 and there was only one neighbor in that. You know, it's like, all right, well, you're level 15. It's harder. There's only one neighbor to save. No, I didn't realize if you were actually good at the game, you could hit level 15 with 10 neighbors to save. And you needed all those neighbors because those later levels were not forgiving. No, they're not. But yeah, no. Had the notebook. Every four levels, man, jotting those, jotting the that password down. Mm. So is this the time where I go ahead and admit that like 15 seconds ago that I learned for the very first time that the number of neighbors carry over <laughs> into the levels? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about that when we get to the gameplay as well. But I learned that very recently, too. I did not know that that was a thing. But before we get to that, does this game even have a plot other than you got to save your neighbors from from zombies? It's like an arcade game. Like, does it even matter? Do we even need to talk about the plot writing here? I mean, the, I'm not sure. I don't know. The zombies came from space. 
Kind of. Space zombies? Yeah, I mean, it was it, the whole thing was caused by an asteroid, right? Yeah. Mo, I don't know. My thought as a kid was that there was a ritual and that you had to sacrifice 10 neighbors and, you know, like, that was, if the, if the 10 people were killed, the ritual was complete and the world was doomed and blood comes from the sky or at least comes onto your game over screen. That explains why the, that explains the purple nut. I think about it was originally blood. That's cool. Mm. But apparently the main villain is a guy by the name of Dr. Tongue and he is the final boss. I can confirm that. Thank you. Long plays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I ain't beating this. (laughs) I don't have the skill. No. So yeah, the actual plot is left to interpretation. You'll have to ask game theory. Uh, what the actual plot of the game is or somebody like that. Oh, weird. Okay. So I was, I was quickly looking this up because clearly we're professionals and know all of this information coming into the episode. <laughs> uh, you were just hiding that you were fully prepared, Shane. Don't, don't be so <laughs> right, modest. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to pat myself on the back or anything, but I know. So according to the very reliable resource that is in fact, Wikipedia, the, the mad scientist Dr. Tongue has created a wide variety of monsters within the bowels of his castle and has unleashed them on nearby suburban areas, terrorizing its inhabitants. So apparently that's it. I, I actually thought it was a space related thing because there's like one of the space. Well, one of the earliest levels in the like backyard of one of the houses is a asteroid that or a meteor. What, what is it called when it comes to Earth and the name changes. It's a, a meteorite. Meteorite. There you go. Meteorite. Yeah. So there's a meteorite like buried into the lawn. And so I was under the impression, you know, having not actually read the, the plot <laughs> for this whatsoever, that the whole thing was caused by some sort of weird like space entity or space virus or something. But apparently not. One of, one of the levels, and since this ties into the writing here, a you know, great place to put this, all the levels are are very cleverly and creatively named much like you would get from a 1950s movie or kind of a cinema role for up not cinnamon role but cinema role of you know movies that are coming up or how they describe them mm. i really did enjoy that but one of them is mars needs cheerleaders so how is dr tongue creating a martian spaceship in his basement that is a very good question i don't know i'm listen man i'm just telling you what i found I think it's space zombies. I think that the manual I mean, I feel is wrong. Like it is too, but I think that Lucas Arts is wrong here. I think it created its own lore. These are space zombies. That's what I'm getting from the way that this game unfolds. It's deeper than you think. That's the twist. That's the twist. They're all aliens. It's like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, so we're just we're creating our own official headcanon for for this. That's what's happening. Got it. Yes. Okay. Bill Curry's in it. I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm down. Let's. Let's. Let's do it. Tim Curry. Why did I say Bill Curry? I don't know. How, that was awful. Why did you correct me? I was just like, <laughs> I don't know who this man is, but he's he's here now, I guess. You needed to correct me. It's Tim Curry. He's a legend. He's an American legend. I mean, so is I Bill Murray. Even, Bill Murray. That's uh, that's the thing. I combined Bill Murray and Tim Curry, and I got Bill Curry. Great. Now I now I have to picture <laughs> Bill Murray dressed as Dr. Frankenfurter, and I will, my brain will never be the same. This is truly the most haunted episode. <laughs> He's a Transylvanian transsexual. <laughs> I'm so happy I watched that movie recently for the first time. Such a good movie. <laughs> I loved it. 
Uh, well, you know, I mean, the thing about it is that it has a great soundtrack, which would be a fantastic way to segue into music and sound, but that's like three steps down. So I guess we can't go there. Damn it, Keaton. <laughs> Trust Damn the it, process. <laughs> I think we're going to make you possibly a little angry here because we're about to get into the gameplay. Before I probably get angry here, and if you love Zombies Ate My Neighbors, I'm going to I'm going to forewarn you. I am probably going to upset you if this is one of your favorite games. And Keaton, I, I know you're right there, but I, I'm just going to put out that spoiler warning at the forefront. But I think that before we get into that, Keaton, talk about what you think about this game. What do you think about the gameplay and why you love it? All right. The key component of this game is variety. and that shines through in its gameplay as much as anywhere else. You have a variety of enemies. They have probably over a dozen, if not more, including some bosses like Dr. Tongue, Dr. Tongue Spider, Dr. Tongue Giant Floating Head. You got your giant babies. You got your snakeoids. Those are just your bosses. Then you got your regular enemies, your fish monsters, your zombies, your moon men, your pod people. Your Martians, your chainsaw wielding guys, the creepy little dolls, ants, so much variety in enemies, so mm -hmm. much variety in locations, so much variety in death animations. Look at all the different animations you get. You got, I guess all that's graphics, but still, we'll get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of different enemies, a lot of different levels, a lot of different hidden bonuses. Did you know that in level four, you can get a special bonus for destroying so many different hedge walls. You can get a hedge clipping bonus on level Mars needs cheerleaders. You can get special bonuses for pack for completing enough passes by throwing footballs to the football players. You can even break and destroy the Martian spaceship that is flying around. If you throw enough soda into the hole that opens up in the top of the spaceship, you can get a bonus for that. Little hidden things that you wouldn't even know about. While we're talking about variety, every enemy in the game has a weakness to one of the different, one of the over two dozen different weapons that you can have. So keep playing. Find out each enemy's weakness. The blob monsters get taken out by popsicles. The evil dolls are destroyed by the soda bombs. Why? Don't know, but it works. Okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> wow. I love that reaction. Like, Keenan's obviously so invested in this, and you're just like, yeah, all right. That's no, cool. no, no. Fucking nerd. Because, whatever. Look, I, I'm just thinking Jeez. do I want Shane to go next, or do I, do I want to go? Because, like, I, I really want to counter all this. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to go on about the hit detection. And no. Oh, well, well that, I would, I mean, that's what I would have that, done. That's all right. I will. I mean, that is part of it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you could. So a lot of the things you said there that were things that you liked about the game, and I can understand why someone would like it about the game, so I don't want to take any of that away. And people who love this game, I can completely relate to that. Uh, so I just want to point out that I played this on the Sega Genesis, initially played it on original hardware, because I got the limited run release on original hardware. That's super cool. And I... Also have played it on an emulator because I th I thought, hey, if I have unlimited lives, 
I can make it through this game and perhaps see the ending. So I want to do a game genie sheet and see how far I can make it because I should be able to make it all the way through. Right. Because I, I died when I played it on the system and I, I just want to see the ending. So that didn't happen. And we kind of alluded to that earlier because all your neighbors go away and once all your neighbors get eaten, then that's also a game over. So where where are my frustrations here? So let's let's get back to the variety. Awesome that there's a lot of variety. Awesome that there's a lot of weapons. However, I think there's too many weapons and you can only cycle. You can only cycle through your weapons in one direction. So the more weapons you pick up, you have to continuously cycle until you find the weapon you want. And if you skip it, you have to recycle all the way through. It's not like the enemies are stopping while you cycle and you have to figure out which weapon works on each enemy and all your weapons have limited quantities and some of your weapons can be locked behind doors with keys that you may or may not be able to find. So you may be put in a position where you do not have the proper weapon to take care of the enemy that is in your way that might eat your neighbor. So let's put that all aside because games can be difficult. And this game is more of an arcade game and this game is more of a high score challenge. Fine. Down with that. Sometimes the game requires a little bit of memorization. However, then you get into the fact that you may not have the proper weapon to get to your neighbor. Again, I guess memorization. Once again, if you see a neighbor, sometimes enemies just happen to spawn next to one of your neighbors that you cannot reach. And even if you try to walk off the screen to prevent them from getting killed, they will still get killed. So RNG can screw you. Doesn't matter how good you are, you can still get screwed by RNG. Furthermore, the bosses don't really require any skill other than having the correct item. The toddler, I think that's level seven, the attack of the 40 foot toddler uh, or 30 foot, whatever the case might be. You have to kill the thing essentially with the Rosetta Stone. And the only way that's going to work is with trial and error. And once again, memorization, any way that you want to get through this game naturally, I do not think can happen. This requires tons and tons and tons of experimentation, and it requires memorization, as I've repeatedly said, and it requires trial and error tactics while going through tons and tons of items that the game keeps throwing at you, which initially feels cool. And I will say it's cool because some of the things you don't know are weapons are weapons. But at the end of the day, it just adds another thing you're trying to cycle to in order to find the correct thing in order to deal with the enemies as possible. By the way. Fuck the hatchet welding little people. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them hard. Fuck them long. Fuck them straight to hell. But, but they probably like that because that's where they're from. But all the other things that you said, like you can throw footballs at the football players to get bonuses or throw things in the soda cans. Yeah, that's great. And those are nice little tidbits. Those are great attentions to details. But those are things I didn't even know because I didn't want to try because I was too busy trying to not get killed and save my neighbors from getting killed from RNG. And so I got so incredibly frustrated, like making it to level 17, 18. And by the way, the game gives you passwords. Cool. When you use those passwords, you don't get to keep all the items you collected. You only get your squirt gun and your squirt gun can't kill shit in the later levels. So you're pretty much forced to repeatedly start at level one in order to get through the game. Unless you're really, really good and you know where everything is. I just feel like you've been waiting to get all of that out. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, I'm sorry. I took up way too much of the show. 
I wasted way too much <laughs> oxygen right there. There's my analysis of the gameplay. So, uh, so on the rage reader. Yes, there's a rage meter in the middle of the show. <laughs> it's weird, but I'll take it. Okay, Shane. Well, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like Keaton deserves a rebuttal. Uh, Very well. You know, for the most part, everything he said was fair. Um, but part of that is good mechanics, because I know you're going to argue. Sure. You, you know, you're going to okay. argue that. Well, having to flip through all the weapons to find the right one and possibly pass it is bad mechanic. But no, this is a scary game. And there are a few things in this game that is more terrifying than got to find the tomatoes, got to find the tomatoes, Martians weak to tomatoes, got to find the tomatoes. Crap, I just passed the tomatoes, got to find the tomatoes, got to find the tomatoes. In the meantime, you're running, you're dodging. Martians are shooting you. They're shooting cheerleaders. You're being slammed by football players. It's frantic. It's hectic. It's scary. It's what you signed up for. It's what you wanted. You wanted that heart pounding, pulse pumping action. That's what you got. I mean, I could see that take. Also, I, I, I would I, disagree yeah. that it's pulse pounding action and more just an exercise in tedium. Oh, like, sure. I was really hoping that the remake would have a uh, a weapon wheel, but it didn't. So, yeah, they put that in Day of the Tentacle. Why couldn't they put that in Zombies Ate <laughs> My Neighbors? They put Day of the Tentacle in Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Did you find they it? Did. They did. Yeah, the long play told me that. <laughs> <laughs> Good old long play. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. So let's see. Um, my my thoughts on this. I, I don't think, uh, unlike some of our other games we've talked about, I don't think I'm as salty as Chris about this. I, I will say that, uh, honestly, I'm I'm less irritated and actually kind of more apathetic, if that makes sense. Ooh. <sighs> A big reason why this game has always existed sort of in orbit around me, like in my peripheral of video games has been because all of those times I've sat down to try to play it. I've said have been dabbling because I really only play for like maybe at most a half hour. And that's probably being generous in one sitting. And I just kind of get, I feel I get the sense of like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like I, I, I get what this game is doing. That's it's fine, but like, I'm, I'm good. And I guess maybe it, it, it's very possible that it's a time and place thing. And I, and I think that's very true of a lot of games, um, especially a lot of older ones from this time period in that it's a lot harder to appreciate it going back to it than if you had been there at the time. And I think that's kind of the deal for me with this is that I just don't, it doesn't grab me. Like, and it sounds like it really does or did slash does for you, Keaton. And that's, that's awesome. And I'm glad that it does that. It's just for, for me personally, it just doesn't like the farthest I've ever gotten is the baby. Like the, and the, the first time you encounter the giant baby, I might add, which is another thing I wanted to point out is that there's some hardcore asset recycling going on, but that's as far as I ever gotten. I think that's like level eight. It's like seven or eight. I think it's eight. Yeah. Out of 48. (laughs) So I just, I don't know, man. Like uh, it it just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just, it doesn't do it for me. I think it's, it, 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 how do I, I want, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this because in a way it almost falls and it's actually interesting that it's a zombie game now that I think about it, but it almost falls into the same category as dead rising for me. And I have gone on record multiple times about why I dislike that game. By all rights, I should totally love that game. I love the zombie genre. 
I I love the style of gameplay like that. I should be down with that game 100%. And I'm not because the central mechanic of, of the timers, like the whole game is based around constant timers. And I hate that in any games. Part of the reason I dislike Majora's Mask. I just don't like being under a timer in a game. I want to have time to do my thing and explore and play the game at my pace. I don't want the game telling me how to play. That's why I don't like that game. And in a way, even though they're not explicit timers, they're still kind of timers in, the, in, a, in a sense, right? Because every level right from the get is like, you better haul ass and find all of these neighbors because if you don't, you're, well, you're basically making the game even more difficult for yourself in later levels. Not that you might know that, <laughs> like I didn't. And so I guess that constant sense of urgency does not jive with me. And I think that's a big part of it. Some people really like that because it's a motivator. They're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this and I gotta do it before they get eaten. And all right, I gotta find everything and I gotta navigate this maze. And like, that's a a huge motivating factor. And that's fantastic. For me, it's like a total 180 where it's just like, oh, you're forcing me to do this and I can't explore the level at my own pace because I will screw myself and probably lose. Uh, yeah, I think I'm out. So there are definitely some mechanical things that we can chat a little bit more about that I think Chris kind of touched on already that I'm not a huge fan of. But I think just the real crux of the issue for me is just the the core gameplay of Zombies Ate My Neighbors is just not compelling to me. Hmm. So I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> so I, I will say this after all my ranting and raving, which I still stand by. I, and this is where I'm going to disagree with you, Shane. Mm. If you play this game strictly for high score purposes, I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. It actually reminds me a lot of Robotron 60. It, well, not Robotron 64, but Robotron. Right. Except it's, there's a lot more hazards. I think if you go into it, playing this like an arcade game and i think that's why it's even more appropriate that we have keaton on here because he is the master of our high score challenge is that this game is a good high score chaser right 100 percent. but if you're going in thinking that i want to beat this game uh, i want to play this game from start to finish i think it's a much different game and it becomes significantly less fun yeah I think I would agree with that. Yeah, I think I think the approach you're taking and the the perspective that you have going into it is going to be a huge influence on, you know, whether your experience is going to be positive or not. And given that I'm generally not that kind of player, I'm I'm not a high score chaser. I'm not an arcade game player in that way. Like for me, it's not my style, I guess, is really what it is. Like I would prefer the ability to. I mean, I don't know how you'd do it because the whole core conceit is you're saving your neighbors from being eaten. So, like, I don't even know what what you would change. <laughs> Maybe the real thing is just, just zombies ate my neighbors is not for me. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know. So fun thing about neighbors are they do have their own. Some have their own personality, uh, mm -hmm. like the guy that is cooking barbecue. Sometimes there will be hamburgers next to him that can re that you can pick up to regain your health. I thought that was a nice little touch. That is a nice touch. Mm, yeah. But holy cow. In levels with the soldiers, like, dude, there is a bazooka next to you. Pick it up and fire it at the zombie. <laughs> Don't just stand there. You are a soldier wearing, like, a helmet. If nothing else, headbutt the zombie. Fight back, dude. I can't do it all for you. 
I can rescue the baby. I don't expect a baby to fight a zombie. I don't expect a little old teacher who gave me an F. Screw that teacher, by the way. Like, if I'm going to save you, I should at least get a C. But, like, the soldier. <laughs> the soldier should at least, like, fight or run in a circle or something. Like, dude, don't just stand there and get eaten by zombies. That teacher said she'll take that C and see you next Tuesday, Keaton. Mm, darn, probably. And before <laughs> I forget, yes, those little axe guys are so annoying. And their creepy little laugh. Oh, that's music sound. Um, but yeah, those guys are so annoying. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. Oh, and we get to sound. I'll talk about that one. But <laughs> they are just on the conveyor belt when you're trying to move through that one level with the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And they're faster than you. And they just get right behind you and you can't avoid them. And they just keep hacking at you. And like the fourth of the <laughs> time when they think about it, the fourth of the time when you die, they turn into little when they die, they turn into little fire dudes and keep chasing you around. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Yep. They certainly do. Oh, yeah. Those guys. Those guys aren't. Those guys aren't fun. Ah, yeah. They're the worst. Well, they're not the worst, but they're among well, them. They're, yeah, they're not the worst, but they're right up there. But that, that kind of reminds me of one of the things that I noticed about the gameplay is watching watching a long play of the entire game which i did by the way i actually the the playthrough is like about three hours and change to watch the whole thing i watched it on two times speed for the record but one of the things that really stood out to me is that it's less about engaging the enemies and more about just avoiding as much as humanly possible that's why yeah that's what i did in the first couple stages absolutely yes yeah and that that carries through all 48 stages for the most part of just like unless you have to kill something like to save a neighbor who's about to get eaten or they're in your path like just dodge around as much stuff as you can and that seems to be like the strategy and Again, the, I that just doesn't that doesn't fit with how I like to play games. Like I'm a boomer shooter guy. I see enemy, I like to shoot face. Like so, <laughs> the fact that uh, the 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 better way to play this game is you know what conserve those limited weapon resources you have and just try to avoid as much stuff as possible. It's just it does not it does not sit right with me. I don't know. I actually really like that. I got I got annoyed when you had to bring out the weed whacker to go kill those weeds that kept on springing all the fucking spiny weeds up. Yeah, which that now we can get to the hit detection because that is oh that I could I swear there was a path I could swear there was a path but I kept getting hit so I'd have to bring out the weed whacker change back over the weed whacker change my weapon and then I walk again and get hit by the stupid weeds on the floor and I thought there couldn't be the weeds anymore because I killed the thing that made the weeds but then. I just the the more weeds kept popping up, especially in that level with all the weeds on it. Not to mention when you're trying to kill that thing that that makes the weeds, it spits out these weird bubbles at you. And if you're trying to kill it, it's like you're automatically going to take a hit. It's like, Ugh! yeah, those guys are rough. <laughs> they're not they're not that they just sit there. And all you're trying to do is walk up to it with a weed whacker. And it feels like. Like 40% of the time, it's like Sex Panther Weed Whacker. 40% of the time, it doesn't work. You just walk up to this fucking giant weed, and you're like, I'm on top of you. And if you move any forward, you get hit by it because it recognizes that you ran into it. And then if you try to reorient itself, it throws bubbles up in the air. And one of them is guaranteed to hit you no matter what you do. Because if you back up, it's making more little weeds that you have to walk onto and take damage. So Fuck those things. Fuck your sex panther weed whacker. I, uh, that, I hate that level. 
<laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I did not expect you to be this salty about this. This is not salt. This is like lemon zest in the eye. There's no salt here. <laughs> oh. Not bitter. Oh, okay. All right. But back to the original point, he brings up a great part of the uniqueness of the game. Yes, it can recycle sprites, but that level is like almost wholly unique. There's only one like that. There's not a lot of monsters. There's just a whole bunch of weeds. And you start out with a weed whacker and you just get to explore going around. It's a very explore. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Thankfully, there's radar to kind of tell you where everything oh, is. That radar is a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Radar's great. I don't know. What, okay. What's so what's what's the difference when when the radar flashes and when it's solid? Um, I do you know what I'm talking about. I do. And I thought that was just a factor of like graphic limitations. I honestly don't know. There might be a difference. I, I don't know. No, I don't either. Mm. Hmm. Well, so going back to because, you know, we clearly haven't complained enough yet. So, no. Yeah. Go, by the way, Keaton, I, it's your your efforts to keep things <laughs> fair and balanced are very admirable. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So, OK, on one hand, I totally get the variety thing, right? That's that's cool that there's so many different weapons. And and again, I feel like a lot of this goes back to that mentality that we just don't have anymore. And and that is if you're going to, as a kid, you've got what feels like unlimited time, right. To do these things. And something like zombies ate my neighbors. It it came out at a time where you generally, most people didn't have just this embarrassment of riches as far as video games go. Right. Nobody had a 800 game steam backlog like some people. (laughs) And so it was very likely that this was your only game or like one of maybe a handful, right? So you had way more time to sit down and really just get, get into the weeds with a game, you know, it's like, it's like why I've said multiple times, like why I am good at Contra three is because I played it a ton when I was younger. And I feel like that's kind of the same deal here of like, if you were to get super invested into this game, and play it over and over to to get better at the strategies of each level and memorizing the layouts and all that stuff, figuring out the enemy's weaknesses. That variety of weaponry, I could totally see why that would be a boon. You'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I have all these things to experiment with and can find out what works and what doesn't. And on paper, that sounds fantastic. In practice, at least for me again, like I it seems almost overwhelming because I'm just like, Okay, I, I've picked up these. I have like 15 different items. I don't really know what they all do. I don't know if one's going to be more effective than the other. And also, most of them don't feel like they hit all the time, going back to that hit detection thing. And so, like, it, it just it feels like too much, you know? But then that's that's coming from the perspective of, like, I'm expecting to just go into this, sit down, and just kind of know what I need to do without too much friction. And that's not really how game design was for the most part back then. And it's certainly not the case for this game. It it expects you to, to get at least somewhat invested in figuring out all of these, you know, mechanics and this minutia around like the several different items you can use and the different enemies and all that stuff. So I guess that's a very long-winded way of saying like I I can see why that would be a good thing. Like totally. I just don't think that I'm at a place 
in life where that is appealing anymore. Yeah, yeah that, I, I, I can agree with that. That's yeah, completely that's fair. fair. I, I think the game does in its own way try to help you with that. The first mm-hmm. couple of levels have one of the people that you have to rescue is a guy in a pool. He's in a little right. inner tube, but he's swimming in the pool. Nothing can kill him in those first couple of levels. In mm-hmm. later levels, mermen can kill him if they're on the screen, but they're not on the screen in the first couple of levels. So matter, no matter if even if nine other your neighbors get killed, you can always rescue that guy. He will always be there. That's a little bit of a learning curve right? to help out. And as the level, as the weapons go, you do a lot of them don't get introduced a little bit at a time. Like you don't get the Martian ray gun until level 21. That thing is glorious against ants and chainsaw men, by the way. Hmm. It's it's not going to feed you everything at once. It will feed you things slowly at a time to help you get a little more acquainted with it. Also, if you're kvetching, you're forgetting one of the most cheesy bad things about the is that some levels, the tourists that you see will just turn into werewolves at the start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Werewolves are assholes. But it's like, oh, cool. Can I go save them? Boom. No. Those two are werewolves. Now they're chasing you villagers down. You're dead. Because those things don't stop attacking you. No, they, they do, do not, not stop attacking you. And they chase your ass down. You got to use your knife and fork. Silverware. Silverware kills werewolves. Oh, my God. That's what you use. I mean, when you say it like that, it actually <laughs> makes sense. But <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Also, why, why can't the weed whacker cut through hedges? You know, the weed whacker can't cut through hedges and it can't cut through sp- through giant spider web walls. That's no, that that's okay. a bazooka. I, mm, you need a bazooka for that. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could listen realistically, if it's an actual hedge, a, a, a typical weed whacker is not going to really cut through that very well. So I can give him a pass on that one. Spider web. I don't Bazooka's know. Bazooka's going to do a lot more damage. I mean, yes. Than what it does. Yeah. Oh, I forgot <laughs> the best personal experience. Mm, what's that oh what, what is it what okay. you got so we were talking about we haven't uh, since none of us wait you two you two hang out with each other all the time why don't you play this co-op it's <laughs> a good question i don't know <laughs> that's a very good question okay so i when i was a kid i was playing this with my buddy tim and there was one time one of the potions that you can find in the game is a mystery potion it can do a variety of different effects it can turn you into a ghost and that's pretty, it can which let you walk over water and you can't get hurt. It's nice. You can turn into a giant monster. It can refill your health. It can drain your health, but it can also turn you into a zombie. Your skin turns green and you just start walking around. You don't have control of the character anymore because your character is temporarily a zombie. And if you come across a villager, you will kill them as a zombie. But one of the few times I got to play this co-op, Tim drank the potion. Tim turned into a zombie. And the other zombies were surrounding Tim and I go to save him and I start hurling the soda bombs at the at the other zombies to kill them, not realizing, did not know that as a zombie, you take damage from the weapons that if another player attacks you. Hmm. So I ended up killing zombie Tim completely by accident. And again, it's like another one of the really small, cool things. Your friend can turn into a zombie. And your attacks can hurt them. Things you find out the hard way. Hmm. I'm glad that you're here to point out these things because I never noticed. (laughs) (laughs) 
mostly because I probably didn't spend enough time with it. But it, it is really cool that there is this level of uh, like attention to detail that's present. I do appreciate that. And some of that is going to sort of dovetail off into our discussion about like the presentation and stuff, because I, I, I said this, what Chris, do you remember what I said this about recently? I said that it, there was a game we were talking about where my take on it was, I, I like the idea of the game. Like I like everything about the game except playing it. <laughs> and I, uh, I, yeah, I remember, I can't remember where that was, but yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm landing with this game for the most part is, is like everything about it in theory. I like, like this is something that I should totally be into and I'm just kind of not. So, but I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that once we kind of transition into that, that next, uh, next topic mm. that's the way i feel about dark souls so if you guys ever do a dark souls episode let me know oh don't worry <laughs> it's happening it's it's happening rather soon Pro- honestly Actually. that's probably part of the reason that chris didn't come over to play zombies ate my neighbors because he came over to play dark souls and then he was like i'm never fucking doing that again <laughs> <laughs> i'm still trying I, so we'll, I, we'll talk about I'm it the next one time that talked him into playing it so yeah yeah. Anyway, I think we've beat up on this gameplay quite a bit. I'm glad I was going to ask about co-op. I don't think either Ma, myself or Shane has playing co-op. So nope. thank you for sharing that, ex- that that experience because it sounds like co-op would be a lot of fun. It definitely sounds like it would be. And that's where a lot of this fun is. So yeah, sure. actually, I, I have a quick question about that. So Keenan, in your experience, does mm-hmm. co-op make this game easier or harder? Because there are some games where playing co-op like somehow obtusely makes the game more difficult to do uh i think and and it's been 30 years since i played co-op uh Mm. i think so the thing i remember is the time i accidentally killed my friend (laughs) i want to say that it's probably more difficult because Mm. i don't think it split screens which oh interesting no it doesn't it doesn't so then yeah that's anytime you've got two players in a, a, a game that you're supposed to explore and it doesn't split screen, yeah, you're going to have a bad time. Mm, like, okay. co-op works great for things like Contra, where you're just go right, keep going right. Uh, but anything where it's like, hey, I wonder what's over here? Unless your buddy's like, oh, I want to go over there too. You're, you No, know, your friend's in the lower left corner. Suddenly he walked behind a wall. Now he can't get out. Uh, it's, it's a mess. Gotcha. Didn't, didn't this game come out after Toe Jam and Earl, though? Uh, uh, dates are not my thing. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking because Toe Jam and Earl did exactly that. <laughs> there is that. That's they were not talking about that game. Uh, yeah, Toe Jam and Earl was great. Indeed. I guess this is the signal, though, to move on with our topics. So now it is the time to talk about this game's graphical presentation. And Shane, how about you kick this one off? How did this game look and what version did you play? So I played the Super Nintendo version because I was uh, the Nintendo boy back in the day. Mm. So that's that's what I would have played it on. Um, I actually do. Now that, now that I think about it, I think it's funny because I actually do have a physical copy of this game, but I played it on emulator anyway. Go figure. Huh. But yeah, I played the Super Nintendo version and for the actually not really for the most part, just in general, like I. I've always really liked the 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 style that they went with for this game. Like I really dig it. Like they they were trying to go for that nine like late 1950s, early 1960s, like 
pulp sci-fi slash horror like theme and i think they really nailed it even right from the title screen just like it looks like it should be on like the title screen for some b horror movie from like the early 60s or something and it's awesome so i i really really like what they did and it's for the most part pretty consistent throughout as far as that goes like even the types of enemies that you're facing are are pulpy type stuff you know uh, like we were talking about you start with the zombies and everything but then you kind of expand out into freaking everything werewolves some mummies you've got the tentacles from day of the tentacle in there a whole bunch of interesting stuff uh aliens uh body snatchers so i i do think that this game really is a love letter to that era of cinema specifically centered around that boom of the like sci-fi slash sort of almost cosmic-y horror kind of stuff that was going on then uh and so yeah no i think it it's still again it's pixel art so it holds up really well so for the most part i'm I'm actually really generally impressed with how this game kind of presents itself mm. i don't really have too many notes as far as things i think could improve so I played the Genesis one. I have played the Super Nintendo one in the past. This is actually my first time playing the Genesis one mm. because I did purchase a Genesis copy. A lot of the things I'm going to say here are probably going to repeat, but much more negatively in the next section. But it doesn't look as good as the Super Nintendo. It looks a little bit more washed out. And I think you and this is just my personal opinion, comparing them memory wise. I think you can tell that the primary version of this game was for the Super Nintendo and mm. the Genesis was more of an afterthought and a port. The difference with the blood and censorship isn't immediately noticeable. I know I said in the brief history that like, oh, yeah, we get blood in the Genesis version. But that's only for when you get a game over from what I could tell and nothing really beyond that, at least in terms of any sort of major significance. So in terms of the graphics, they're they're for the most part identical. but Super Nintendo version definitely edges it out. That being said, yeah, it is it is pixel graphics. It is 2D sprite work. I just feel like even on the Genesis for the Genesis, this is kind of a step behind. Mm. Uh, I think there are games that look better than it, whereas in the Super Nintendo, I don't want to say it's stand out ish, but it's definitely a, a good game. Now, I will say in both versions of the game, which are which is very impressive is you do get a lot of enemies on screen at the same time. And from what I remember, there's no slowdown really. Even when you have the big baby Sprite that just kind of zips all over the place, like just like having a seizure or something all over the, the backyard, but no, no slowdown there. There's just a lack of frame of animation, but the characters move very smoothly. The enemies move around very smoothly. No slowdown. I can appreciate that, especially in an era where there was a lot of slowdown when things got busy. So hats off to LucasArts for that. And just because it doesn't look as good on the Genesis doesn't mean it looks bad. It looks bad. It's just it's not it's not something you would show to everybody for the power of the system. I think the same could pretty much mostly be said about the Super Nintendo as good as I do think it does look. I wouldn't say that this game is going to be like notable as a technical achievement in in any way as far as like the the graphics go i think what really carries it like i said is its dedication to like the the style and aesthetic that they chose sure i mean it's a fun environment yeah all the environments are fun they're they're colorful the enemy sprites are well detailed you can tell what everything is it's just not like tippy top of the iceberg right it's not really close but it's not 
It's certainly nowhere near the bottom either. For sure, yeah. Keaton? All right. Graphics are in many ways good, just like the gameplay in that they pay so much attention to the little things. Almost every monster, if not every monster, has a different death animation. Whenever Mm. you kill a werewolf, you see their flesh just like like a hole appears and you see a green soul come out. When a merman dies, they explode into a group of fish. Zombies die, turn into a bunch of bones. All these enemies get their own unique in get their own unique death. The way that the enemies are placed around the screen. If you're encountering blob monsters, there is usually going to be a meteorite or barrels of ooze nearby. When the creepy little axe dolls show up, half the time they're coming out of a box of creepy axe dolls. As one would. Yes. Uh, there are some other examples, like the pod creatures, the, the little clones of you appear out of giant pods. They put so much attention. Oh, in the mummies, I mean, when they come out of those sarcophaguses, it looks really good. Yep. So there is so much attention given to making all of these things look unique. Heck, there are even some sprites that are exclusive solely to bonus levels. Purple Tentacle can only be found in one bonus level and the uh, ending game level. And there are animations that are just even in the an enemy that is just solely in the ending game level. Dr. Tongue, that final boss fight, when you're fighting his floating head, has four different levels of decay before he finally dies. And that last one is really kind of gross and graphic for <laughs> a Super Nintendo game. It's no shooting Hitler in the face like Bionic Commando, but like half of his skull is missing and his eyes are gone. And it's just like, oh, really creepy looking. So, yeah, uh, they put a lot of attention into the graphics, into the little details. I think you make a fantastic point that I mean, we didn't bring that up, but you're you're 100 percent right. Every single every every single enemy sprite does have a lot of detail, even if those enemy sprites aren't like the most detailed sprite on their systems is it's the amount of attention they put into the animations that's an entirely good point though in terms of presentation you can make an argument that this game does a really good job of that and this is something that LucasArts I'll tip my hat off to them even though as I already said on Day of the Tentacle I'm not a big fan of their adventure games all of the games that they make do have a lot of attention to detail in their environments and how things within their environments are related to them. So as you said, the blobs around meteorites, the, your, your clones around pods, mummies around sarcophagi, every single enemy seems to have some sort of source that you can relate it back to. That level of attention to detail is something to be admired. But from a casual gameplay standpoint, if I'm just starting up this game and moving through it and not really you know, getting into the nitty gritty of those, those things, it's not necessarily something I'm paying attention to which is where I'm more on the I wanted to say lukewarm, but I'm not lukewarm because I think it's above average. I do want to give this game credit because it's not a bad looking game at all. It's just like at a very surface level thing, it, it it's it's decent looking. But you brought that up. Now I have a little bit more respect. And it does remind me the fact that LucasArts does do these things. And I, I'm I'm willing to give them that credit because you're 100 percent right. Thank you. 
Yeah, and I think that's the one of the things that you could always sort of rely on LucasArts for back back in the day was I mean not obviously not all the time, but but generally speaking, a lot of the the output around this this era did have a lot of personality. That was something you could always, you know, look forward to is whatever product they were putting out, like it it definitely it may not be pushing the envelope in other ways, but they were definitely very charming, I think. Completely agree. It just again, it blows my mind. Like they that there are just like they have some of these cool cr- graphics and creatures, and they're just like, yeah, we're just gonna stick these in the bonus level. You have to actively seek them out to find this cool looking thing. Yeah, that's true. I I was yeah, and I guess this is <laughs> it's kind of going back to the gameplay a little bit, but that like w- the way that they did the credits for the game, I thought was like really ingenious. Where it's it's literally a level where you're walking around a, an office and you like walk up to all of the employees and they they have the credits like over their heads and there's still the enemies that you have to like dodge and stuff and i thought that was pretty neat mm-hmm. yeah and one of them gives you a password for a hard mode yeah there's I, actually I, yeah because there's one that gives you was it was it for the hard mode or was that how you got to the day of the tentacle level maybe that might be it you can through rng get to the day of the tentacle level on the it is a hidden level in level one, but mm. you have to have RNG give you a monster potion or a bazooka in order to break open the bush hedge, hidden hedge to find the hidden level behind it. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause they give you two codes at that, at that end screen. They give you that one, which I think takes you right to the day of the tentacle bonus level. And then there's another one that will lead you right back to that that credits level if you ever wanted to go directly back there. So let's get into the sound and music here. I'm going to be comparing it to the Super Nintendo version. So I'm not going to talk about it until like the last person here. So let's start out this one with Keaton. Keaton, what did you think of the sound and, and music for this game? Uh, the music is, again, like as someone who played it a lot growing up, the music has stayed with me my entire life. All of the soundtracks, I know, like you can just start to hear it and it's like, yep, that's from Zombies Ate My Neighbors. As far as setting and mood goes, I think it tends to do a good job. That opening tune, whenever you boot it up, is pretty eerie. And the other tunes seem to have a good blend of action to them that keeps that high energy feeling going. I'm not, as a person, I'm not, not, I'm not much of a musical Guru, I'm I'm no Rick Firestone, that's for sure. Of Pixel Project Radio, shout out. <laughs> I mean, but but then who is really? He's gotten so many shout outs recently. <laughs> yeah, this is like his third straight episode where he's gotten a shout out. By the way, well then, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> for people him. are paying you, attention and going to listen. You you reached your quota, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Now you have to become a Patreon if you want any more. He is. He is. <laughs> oh well, in that case, yeah, guys, go listen to Pixel Project Radio. <laughs> but. The soundtrack has stuck with me in the same way that a DuckTales soundtrack will stick with you or a Mega Man soundtrack Mm. will stick with you. It's really catchy. It's iconic. As far as the actual sounds go, they are very definitive. Sometimes they can get a little go a little overboard. The creepy laugh of the dolls will send chills down your spine because Mm. you're like, crap, now I got to deal with those dolls. The laugh that the vampire makes is cool when you're fighting one vampire, but there's one level where you're going up against like three or four at a time and it's just woo ha ha, woo ha ha, woo ha. Like an entire <laughs> level, and you're just like, 
Let's just get to the exit door, Longplay. Go, go. I'm tired of hearing woo But <laughs> sounds are a mixed bag. Music is phenomenal. I actually, yeah, that, that's a pretty fair assessment. That's about what I would say, too. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the music, and that was what I was trying to hold off on saying when I was talking about their their dedication to getting that sort of like B-movie vibe, because I think the music really lends itself to that very well. So a lot of the tracks are pretty good. I will say that I, I think the standout for me actually is the title screen just because of how, how well they nailed that, because it is that like that exact kind of like almost cheesy, but not quite like creepy style music that you would totally expect from some like, you know, black and white movie about alien invasions or something. So I really, really appreciate that. I will say similar to the graphics, which I sort of offhandedly mentioned now that I think about it and didn't really go into much, but I guess we can do that here. And that is with 48 levels, there is a lot of recycling going on. Yeah. And I don't necessarily blame them for that. But I do kind of wish and I'm I'm totally talking about this like I played all 48 levels like, yeah, right. But I sure wish that when I watched a video of somebody else playing this game (laughs) that I could hear more than like, I don't know, it felt like five songs. Like, I, I don't know how many there actually are, but it was noticeable of like, oh, where this is this track again. And they're not bad. It's just that it's it's very apparent that there are just only so many. Um, and the same thing goes with the graphics and, and like the the enemies and things like that, where, you know, you you think you're going to fight a 40 foot baby once because that's a boss and you're nope, you're going to do it again at least one more time. Apart from that. Yeah, I think Keaton's pretty spot on. Like, I really like the music. I think that's the standout feature here. The the sound effects, I think, are well done, but the, the, yeah, there there should have been maybe like a. There should have been a hard coded like grace period or something on the audio as far as like how often certain uh, sound effects play for for enemies, because, yeah, you will hear the same ones just repeating over and over and over and over again. I'm going to echo a lot what you two said. However, I will say this. The Genesis version is significantly inferior to the Super Nintendo version when it comes to the soundtrack. Mm. Oh, doesn't sound as bad as if they're using the gems version. Like there's not as many farty noises, <laughs> but it's it's not as good as what the Super Nintendo is is putting out there because there's there's a soundtrack that has this kind of like like nah, 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 kind of vibe to it. And I think, you know, what I'm talking about, like Nana Nana Boo Boo, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Like it, it has it. And it's really good on the Super Nintendo. In fact, a lot of the music in here, regardless of the Super Nintendo or Sega, just the content, gives me a lot of the Day of the Tentacle vibes, even though it wasn't done by the same composer as the Day of the Tentacle. The composer is, I think his name's Joe McDermott. I just had him up on Moby Games here. Yeah, Joe McDermott. And he did not compose the music for um, Day of the Tentacle. Mm. But I did get that, especially when I got done with the level and you get that like kind of upbeat, perky music vibe. That sounds like something that's straight out of that game, but it's not. When it comes to the sound effects, I think they're fine, but I think the repetitive nature, as you said, that can start to get grating. And one of the worst things is when you're in one of those levels with the with the hatchet carrying little person. Because they keep making the sound over and over and over and over again every time they spawn and a lot of them spawn. 
Uh, it's uh, and, and, and it doesn't stop. Like, I get it. There's more of you. This sucks. <laughs> you only really die when I throw soda cans at you, which go in an angle and they don't go straight. And sometimes I miss you. And this is awful. And I hate this. But aside from that, like the, the, the sounds that keep coming over and over and over again are, are fine. The sounds that happen when your neighbors die are fine, but there's sometimes when those sounds can get muddled with another ant monster making a sound, which is what I had in a couple levels. And I think I heard that in the baby level for some reason. I kept thinking that the neighbors were dying and they they weren't. And that was weird. Sometimes a lot of the song uh, sounds mixed together. So I think that's overall like if I'm if I'm sitting here and I'm you know just going through the presentation alone because uh, what I talked about with the graphics and I'm talking about with the sound direction as well. If you're going if you're going to play this game, if you're really wanting to sit down and play this game, you don't have access to like the the remasters on modern consoles. Go play this game on the Super Nintendo. The Sega Genesis is far inferior to the Super Nintendo version in terms of presentation. And yes, there are reasons for that. And that's not me being a Super Nintendo homer because I did buy the Sega Genesis version. But play the Super Nintendo version because it's superior in all of the audio visual departments. And the, graphically, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you you heard it. You heard it here. Chris said it. The Super Nintendo is superior to the Genesis. Everybody heard it. For for this game? Nope. Yes. You heard it. Yes. Yep. I, I, yeah, you, you did hear that. I'm keeping that one in my back pocket for a later conversation that we're going to have. Oh, and that one you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, this, the Super Nintendo is the way they go here. Any other closing comments here on the on the sound? I hate the noise of the clown decoy. I rarely use that item. <laughs> yeah, I don't use it either. Fuck clowns. Okay, so this brings us to our Patreon pontifications. If you would like your pontification read here on the show, all you have to do is do these three easy steps. One, become a patron, which you can do for as little as $1 a month. You can find that in our link tree, which we will put out at the end of the episode. Two, join our Discord, which is also in our link tree. And three, there is a spot called Patreon Pontifications, so you can post your thoughts there. We would love to hear from you, and we are going to kick this off with Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, great friend of the show. And Adam says, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors gave me nightmares as a child. I rented it one weekend and tried to play it. I hated the game, and it was too difficult for me, but the worst part was when I went to sleep that night. I had terrible nightmares about being trapped in a hedge maze with zombies and piranha plants. And then I wet the bed. You can always leave it up to Adam to include all of the relevant details. <laughs> I, I guess, as you said last time, Shane, this this definitely is him taking the piss. <laughs> uh, all right. On that note, uh, the next one we have is Discimera of Game Over Hell. And he says, Zombies Ate My Neighbors is a prequel of the Johnny Bravo series, as evident by Johnny still being an innocent 3D glasses wearing kid in this game. I've never played it, but I know I'm probably correct. That's awesome. Thank you, Discimera. <laughs> His name is Zeke. The girl's name is Julie. <laughs> we, we forgot to mention that, but you know what? I like to I like to think he's Johnny Bravo now. I think that's we can add that that's to the better, head cannon. more appropriate. Yeah, that is the headcanon. Ignore what the manual says. We didn't even read it for this episode anyway, except Shane, because he was prepared. So that's probably where you find that information, because they sure as hell don't tell you in the game. Uh, they really don't. That's for sure. 
He does have a very unique look, though. I'll give the the male protagonist that whatever his name may be. Yes, Johnny. Uh, speaking of Johnny, here's Dave Jackson from Tales from the Backlog. <laughs> I first played Zombies Ate My Neighbors in short 10 minute bursts at a friend's house in elementary school. And now I've revisited it as an adult. It's got cool theming, incorporating every horror movie monster in the book and fun music and weapons. But the level design is atrocious and the game wears out its welcome pretty quickly. It feels like it's better suited for an arcade style of play than a home console, leaving me with the conclusion that the best way to experience Zombies Ate My Neighbors is in short 10 minute bursts at a friend's house in elementary school. Thank you, Dave. I, you know what? I, I'm kind of on board with that assessment, actually. <laughs> it's I. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, next up, we've got Thunderdome Gaming Society, who says Zombies Ate My Neighbors is one of those games I stumbled upon one weekend when there was nothing else to rent. I was instantly hooked. Being a horror fan helped, as well as the game just being plain old fun. There is a password you can enter to start the game on a bonus stage entitled Day of the Tentacle. Complete the bonus stage, and then you will be on level 1. The game is frustratingly difficult, especially in the later stages. I later bought a copy from a clearance bin at the end of the Super Nintendo's life cycle, and it will always be a memorable entry for that console. Alright, well said. thank you Thunderdome. Next, we have Storm Beagle. He is my favorite Mega Man X fan in our Discord. This game is one of the holy trinity of Genesis games I rented all the time. Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, Booger Man, and Kid Chameleon. That's that's quite a trinity. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> I was never good enough to get f- too far into it, but I've been playing around with it a bit on the Switch the last couple of years. The arcade style gameplay holds up and it's still fun to just jump in and play for a while. Graphically, it looks awesome and has so many fun little nods to classic horror tropes and the horror genre as a whole. I'm really looking forward to this episode. What a great way to kick off spooky season. While it is Spooktober, this is the second Spooktober episode, so we're not kicking it off, but eh, we'll say that it is Close enough. for you. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, for you. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I guess that probably brings us to our thoughts, right? I think it does. I think it's our turn to talk whether or not it holds up today. Mm. As is tradition, the guest gets the final word. There you go, Keaton. So you can dispel all of our thoughts, I'm sure. And to kick this one off, Shane, what do you, what, do you think this game holds up today? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Y- you know, I- I'm going to be honest. I, I actually I-, I sort of offhandedly said it, but I- the more that I'm mulling it over, I-, I think Dave Jackson's take on this is kind of my take as well in that in current year. Unless you have the nostalgia for it, or if you just are really into this style of kind of timed, but not explicitly like sort of maze ish, almost gameplay where you have to sort of like figure out a level layout and, you know, basically just get good at memorizing level layouts and then that sort of a thing. Like if that's your jam, then this will probably be right up your alley. I mean, it does have, and we didn't even really talk about this too much, but it, it's got a difficulty curve that looks a bit like the cliff, like a cliff face. Honestly, the first handful of levels Fair. are not too bad. And then it's just like, it wants to murder you in every way possible. So the game is very difficult. So 
if you're into those sorts of things, then you'll probably be into this as well. But I think for most people, I would argue this kind of feels like a little bit of a novelty um, in that you can get it in bite sized chunks. And that's probably enough. As Dave Jackson said, like playing it in 10 and 15 minute bursts feels like the right amount of time. That that's kind of a waffle ish answer of saying kind of. Yeah, I think. <laughs> It it is. It's it's a little wishy washy. I I would say that for the most part, I'm I'd say no. I I don't think that it does because in my mind, saying a game holds up to me is basically endorsing the game in its entirety and saying like this is something that someone can play and enjoy and ostensibly complete, and that experience would be something I would say would still hold up today. And I, I can't really say that about this game. So I guess that's sort of a soft no, mm. but it's worth those small bite size like experiences though. But I just, I think it, the, the gameplay formula that it's presenting feels like it very quickly outstays its welcome. Okay. Where do I go with this for mine? I think this game is incredibly frustrating. I think this game has too many weapons. I think this game relies on memorization. I think this game has extraordinarily infuriating RNG. So the the answer for me on this is going to be yeah, this game actually holds up. And <laughs> let let me explain why. The game's I wasn't charm- expecting the the M Night Shamalama Ding Dong <laughs> at the end there. There you go. This is why this game holds up and it holds up because it is an arcade game. If you don't know that going in, if you're expecting to go from one to 48 all the way through and beat it on your first couple times, yeah, you're going to be frustrated. So go into this game knowing you're not going to do that. In fact, very few people have. This is a game where it implicitly encourages you to chase the score and get the highest score possible and get it in the most efficient way possible. That's what this game is about. And if that's what this game is trying to do, I think it effectively accomplishes that. Yes, you are going to have to do some memorization and it's not as intuitive as many other arcade games are, like the best games from the early 80s, early to mid 80s. It doesn't have that same kind of replay value or hook and it will get a little tedious the longer you play and that frustration will creep in. But I remember firing this up for the first time when I played it this week without the Game Genie, without the emulator, asking myself, I am having a really good time, even though I don't know what the hell is going on. But once you understand that, yes, once all your neighbors die, you are dead. Certain items do impact enemies differently. I think you can get a methodology down that you can take out the enemies in certain stages and approach them in a certain way that you can make a really fun game out of this to the point where you do memorize it to the point that you can complete it. But as long as you just approach it from I'm trying to get a higher score than last time, this is a game that I think anyone can anyone can play because it is simple. The controls are simple. Uh, the, The execution is simple. The concept of just rescuing your neighbors in order to get out of level is simple. So I will say 100%, even though it pissed me off and it frustrated me and I get extremely angry and I'm still angry just thinking about it, Zombies Ate My Neighbors is a game that holds up. Go ahead, Keaton. Yeah, what what Chris said. 
<laughs> no. Um, all right. So I like to use video games as food metaphor. A lot of people these days treat video games like fast food. You pay, what was it, like five bucks for eight games on Steam, Shane? Or less, yeah. So you go out, you get a bunch of random games, and, you know, it might be good, might not be, you don't know, you only paid five bucks for it, you're just going to eat it. But this game is like one of those 72-ounce steak challenges that you have. You got to know going in that if you just try to eat it all and and digest it as quickly as possible, you're going to choke on it. That's what this game will do. It will ch- it will cause you to choke if you just go running in looking for a quick meal. But if you want to sit down and savor it, take small bites, enjoy the little details that go into the level design, enjoy the little details that go into the characters, and just realize that it's going to be a long meal. You will have to get the time to know this game, and you will have to get the time to know it well. But yeah, if you do that, you will enjoy it. And honestly, yeah, if you just want to grab it and play it for 30 minutes. It'll be a fun meal too. So yes, it holds up. Oh yeah, absolutely holds up. Hell yeah. Depend Depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a big challenge to try to conquer, holds up for that. If you're looking for just a quick fun session, just to have a little fun, be, kill some time, it'll do that for you too. Awesome. Also, now I'm hungry. <laughs> it's like sushi. It's an acquired taste. Yes. But once you have the taste, ah, it's, you, you don't want anything else. Rare split decision, though. Normally, we are in pretty good agreement about these things. But uh, me me and Shane diverged here. So there you go. Split in a way that I was not expecting, too. I know, right? (laughs) Because I showered this game with love. Yeah, for for sure. Like an hour and a half prior to this. So there you go. Well, I suppose uh, that brings us to the conclusion of our discussion about Zombies Ate My Neighbors. And uh, as we are want to do, you got one. There you go. I did. I got one. I'm, I'm getting them every so often. Get them in where I can. Uh, we, we, of course, first want to thank our most esteemed guest. So Mass Keaton, thank you for, uh, for checking in and sharing your thoughts on, on zombies ate by neighbors. I think you brought a fantastic, uh, perspective to this episode and, and it's always fun uh chatting with you so thank you for for coming on by oh you're very welcome thanks for having me all i was glad to share my memories and experiences with this game it deserves all the love it gets i think and sometimes it needs help getting that love <laughs> and that's what you're here for yeah and speaking of things that you may be there for uh is there anything out there on on the internets or or maybe in in the real life the meat space i don't know that you would uh you'd like to plug that you want to let the people at home know about um well i just got done doing an episode for retro hangover oh nice i heard they're pretty good (laughs) i I think so i heard they suck (laughs) (laughs) it's always a critic yeah so every month we do a discord pick a, a video game and some of our people try to Get the high score on it for the month, and it's a lot of fun, and there's prizes, and you should hop on in and show why you're the best at Wild Guns, or Zombies Ate My Neighbors, or whatever we do next. I also record some episodes for uh, Secret Levels podcast. I do some retrospectives there called the uh, Librarian Episodes. If you like this podcast, I think you'd like Secret Levels. It has that same saltiness going on. 
just going to give a shout out to my crew over there and my episodes in particular because they're fun. Other than that, yeah, go grab just a random podcast or YouTube channel that was mentioned in the Patreon's pontifications and give one of those a listen. They're all good stuff. They're all good groups. Absolutely. All right. Well, and as far as we are concerned, if you are hearing this right now, then that means you found us. So congratulations. First of all, hopefully you didn't end up here by accident. But if, you know, I don't know if you did, maybe maybe it was a happy accident. Maybe it was a Bob Ross situation. Who knows? Or a wet dream. I mean, or that it could be that. I mean, you might be trying to listen to podcasts while going to sleep and maybe that's what happened. And in that case, you're welcome, first of all. And, uh, you know, maybe you want to stick around for a bit. You know, maybe you like what we do here. So if you want to check out everything that the show has to offer, apart from just this uh, this here audio massaging your brain cave, then uh, you can do that. And not only can you do that, we facilitate that. We make it easy. You just got to go to one place. It's Linktree. Just head over to Linktree slash Retro Hangover and you can find uh, buttons. Lots of buttons. Buttons that come to... Buttons. Yeah, buttons. Buttons. Who wants a button? You come to this this show here. It'll bring you to our YouTube channel, perhaps the Patreon and the merch store if you'd like to support the show in such a fashion. Uh, and we also have uh, our socials. And of course, the Twitch. I almost said Twitter. I don't know why I said that. That doesn't exist anymore, Shane. Yeah, I don't know. It's dead. It's the it's the X. It's the cool kid hangout now. Got eaten by zombies. It's right there with threads. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Twitch, uh, Chris, what can the people expect from us over on the Twitch television? Well, not much. But if you want to see what not much <laughs> is, head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover. Where you'll see us play games from time to time. Uh, random games, games you'd never think of. Uh, I've played Star Fox Zero recently. That went horribly. <laughs> but then I followed up with some wild guns and that was fun. You never know we're going to play over at twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. at Sunday. And that's all Eastern time. But I can assure you it will be something. And as long as there isn't a wrestling pay-per-view, you can probably catch Mast Keaton over there as well in the chat. So head on over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. We hope to see you there. Sunday, 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 Sunday. All right. Well, I suppose with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your we swear we're fair and balanced joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. 
Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's bit.ly slash RHP Bones.